everyone. Welcome back to episode two of Fueling Fridays. This is Kindle, and I'm so happy you're here. And if this is your second time here, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for all the feedback and support I got on my first episode. That just makes me so happy. So I appreciate and love you more than you know. So thank you to each and every one of you that listened to my last episode or if you're new and this is your first time, thank you so much. So today I want to talk about the 12 most important things that I learned during 12 months of eating disorder recovery. So if you follow me on Instagram, which is fueling.good, but with zeros instead of O's, you'll see that I posted a, um, I guess it was just exactly what this episode is pretty much. It was just showing like my 12 lessons that I learned during recovery, but I just like wrote the sentence for them. I didn't really dive into what each one really meant. So, I mean, you could get a pretty good gist off of it just by reading it, but I really wanted to dive in and break down what all of my lessons really meant to me. So if you haven't seen that, feel free to go check it out. I think the graphic for it is honestly pretty cute and it would be good to save any of those slides like for um, a phone background or just to have in your screenshots when you're needing a little more inspiration. But If you haven't seen that, totally fine. I'm going to go into that now. So let's get started. And thank you for being with me to fuel your Friday. So lesson number one is you'll forget what you ate, but not the memories you made. So I know for a lot of people in ED recovery, they're really afraid to do things that involve other people's cooking. So that might mean going out to a family dinner, like actually out to eat or having a cookout at your house and eating what everyone else is eating. No matter like what the actual setting is, it just scares a lot of people to not be in control of their food. And I remember I would work myself up so much because say Mother's Day would be coming up. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I know we're going out to eat. Like, this is so scary. I don't want to go. Like, can I make up an excuse? Or whatever it was. But I promise you, like, a few months after that date happens, unless you had, like, your favorite meal or it was, like, a meal specific to the holiday, you're not going to remember what you ate. But you're going to remember that about the good time that you had. So like I was saying for Mother's Day, I remember we went out to eat for Mother's Day. I literally could not tell you where unless I went on my phone and like scrolled through my pictures. But I remember having a good time and enjoying myself. And even if you feel guilty in the moment, that feeling will pass. It will fade. But your memories are not. It's just like if you're going to a birthday dinner like for one of your good friends. Your friend is going to remember that you were there, that you were present, you got to enjoy all the things they were laughing at, etc. But 
if you were guilty, like, that feeling will fade, but the time you had with your friends won't. So I hope that one made sense. And I'm basically just going to be following that format for the next 11. So I'll read out what my lesson is, and then I'll just give you my little explanation on it. And if it's something you don't agree on, that is totally fine because recovery is not one size fits all because nothing is like that. So if I say something that maybe didn't work for you or if you don't feel the same way, totally cool. I'm glad that you found something that works for you. These are just personally lessons that I have learned and I think they could be helpful for a lot of people. So now that I've gotten that out of the way, I just want to make sure I'm not stepping on any toes or, you know, possibly making it seem like this is the right way to recover because I don't think that at all. So moving on to number two, there is nothing you can eat that is more unhealthy than your eating disorder. Okay, let that sink in for a little bit. Nothing you can eat is more unhealthy than your eating disorder. So what does that mean? Okay, so personally, my eating disorder stemmed from orthorexia, which if you're not familiar with that is, it's the obsession with like having quote clean food or food that you deem to be perfect and you're very specific about the foods that you eat and basically how healthy you think that they are. And so during my really bad days, I was always thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm being such a healthy eater. And then whenever there would be foods that I was afraid of, I would tell myself, oh, well, you know, I just don't want to be unhealthy. That's why I'm not eating those. It's like, I'm just such a healthy eater. And even during like the very beginning of my recovery, I remember thinking, I'm so scared to eat this food because it's so unhealthy just because that's what my brain had been telling me. But, like, my eating disorder did not actually care about being healthy. Like, I was clearly not healthy. Chunks of my hair were falling out. I barely had energy to walk up the stairs. But I'm worried that eating a cookie is unhealthy? Like, no. My obsession with eating so, quote, clean was not healthy, So why am I trying to trick myself into thinking that I'm just worried about my health? Or I guess I should say my ED was trying to trick me into believing that. Because when you're deep in your ED and you're scared of eating foods because you think they're unhealthy, you're not even healthy in that moment. Like, your nails are probably so brittle. Your hair was probably falling out like mine. You're freezing cold all the time. Like, does that sound healthy to you? Just because you're eating foods that you've been told are healthy does not mean that you are healthy. And now I can fully say that every single day I eat foods that my ED brain would have never considered healthy. And my body is the healthiest it has been in a long time. I, you know, my blood work comes back normal. My body can regulate itself. And my hair is getting shiny again. So, like, I am healthy right now. So, just because you think 
that you're eating healthy doesn't make you healthy. And if you're eating, quote, unhealthy, that doesn't make you unhealthy. Because the two really aren't correlated. And again, I just cannot stress this enough. There is nothing more healthy, unhealthy for you than restricting and listening to your ED. Like, just let that sink in. So the next time you're about to challenge a fear food and that little voice in your head is telling you, oh my gosh, this is so unhealthy. Just think, okay, is all this restriction that I'm doing healthy? So like, why am I suddenly concerned about health now, if that makes sense? So lesson number three is that it takes longer to recover mentally than physically. So whenever I first started recovery, it was pretty early on in that I started gaining weight. And I remember my family started telling me like, wow, Kendall, like you're looking so healthy. Like you're looking awesome. And that was really hard for me to hear at the time because they knew I was in recovery. So they were they were just trying to like imply that I was gaining weight and that I actually looked like a human again. But in my brain, I was still struggling so much and it made me start to think like, oh, well, like since I've already gained weight, like I feel like my like my thoughts around food should be recovered too. But that's like really not true because I feel like, you know, Gaining weight is the easy part a lot of times because your body is just so like restricted or deprived or whatever that when you start eating these foods, you're going to be gaining weight. But a lot of times when I was eating these foods that, you know, helped eventually helped me to gain weight. When I was eating them, I was scared and I was stressed and I'd be eating it and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so bad. Why am I eating this? But I was fighting against that eating disorder brain because I didn't want to think like that. And I will say, just because you're weight restored, according to doctors, that does not mean that your brain is healed and, you know, that mentally you're recovered. And I just, that's why I think it's really important to not base recovery purely off of weight gain or, you know, if you're back to the weight that you wore before your ED, because I feel like a lot of times it's totally normal for you to go to a weight higher than your weight prior to your ED. So if you're stopping yourself the second you reach that weight restore point, then you might not be letting yourself get to full recovery. And I also think that if you're stopping, if you're stopping challenging yourself, Once you've hit this ideal weight, because I know once people started telling me like, oh, you're looking healthy, I started to think, okay, well, then I guess I can be done here. Like, I don't need to challenge any more foods. Like, I'm, I guess, quote, healthy enough that maybe people will stop like being worried about me. But then, you know, I don't have to do the scary things and keep challenging myself. So I felt like that was a good little compromise for my ED. Like, okay, I'm gaining some weight, but this is scary, so I'm not going to push myself anymore. But I know if I would have done that, because obviously I did not end up doing that, then I definitely would have relapsed because I feel like 
with your eating disorder, it is almost impossible to just stay stagnant in your behaviors. Like if you're saying, okay, I'm just going to stay exactly like this, then I'll be fine. I know that actually that probably would have snowballed and would have ended up in more restriction, more restriction, more restriction until I was back to square one and had lost weight again. So I just think when your brain and like mentally your mindset is more recovered, I think it's a lot harder to relapse because you're starting to have these less negative thoughts around food and your body and whatnot. So I I really just don't think that your body is a good indicator of how well you are doing in recovery. Because like I said, even though I had gained weight, I was still really struggling and like having a lot of thoughts of, okay, this is good enough. Which, no, that is not true. It is not good enough. Because if you give your ED a mi- an inch, I promise it will take a mile. It is selfish and it will take it all. So that brings us to point number four, which is ignoring your hunger and cravings only makes them stronger. And again, cannot stress this enough. I think this also has to do with extreme hunger which a lot of people face in recovery, which is, you know, just this very intense appetite. It's different from binging because I think a lot of people are worried that they're going to start binging in recovery. But if you have restricted your body at all for any period of time, then it is not binging. Your body is trying to make up for energy lost for those things that you had restricted it from. And that's not binging. Like your body is just making it up for it, making up for it. Basically, I think a way to think about it is if you had been taking out a loan from the bank, which is you most likely being in a calorie deficit and you're taking it out, taking it out, taking it out, you're going to have to repay this loan. Like the loan just isn't going to disappear. Like you're going to have to pay it back which basically means you're going to have to eat more and you're probably going to eat more than a lot of other people around you because while you were taking out this loan and, you know, um, accumulating interest and such, they were not. They were just eating normally. So they don't have all of this, like this loan to pay back, I guess, in a sense. And since it is something you're paying back, that's not binging because it's not like you're just giving the money bank for free. I'm sorry if this analogy is like confusing, but it's like you're making up for hunger or for cravings that were taken away from you. So it cannot be binging if you had it in the first place. So with extreme hunger, if you are trying to negotiate with it or push it off and saying, okay, I am so hungry right now, but Like, I should not be eating this much food. So I'm just going to eat X amount, which is just going to have to be enough. Then that is not going to make your extreme hunger go away. It's just going to make it worse whenever you do finally decide to honor it. Because seriously, the only way out of this is through it. So you pushing it off and pushing it off is just 
going to make it that much stronger. For example, if you're so hungry or you're really craving a spoonful of peanut butter, but you're telling yourself, you just keep telling yourself like, okay, I'll just, I'll put a little bit of peanut butter on my apple or whatever. That's my compromise. I'll just use a little, but I'm not going to have that spoonful that I'm wanting. Well, the craving is going to keep going to come, keep coming, and you're restricting your body more. It's going to need it more now. So eventually, when you do have this peanut butter, that spoonful that you wanted earlier is not going to satisfy you at all because now you've been pushing off that craving for so long that it's not going to be until like four or five spoonfuls satisfy that craving for it. Which I'm not saying it's a bad thing to eat more or, you know, have more of your cravings at all. That's totally normal. But I'm just saying that pushing them off is not going to make them go away or get smaller. It's just going to make them build up that much more for whenever you do decide to honor them. I hope that made sense. And I know I went on a little tangent about extreme hunger and paying off debt. So if you have any questions about anything I'm saying, please DM me on Instagram. I am always checking my DMs. I love to interact with you guys. But if you are going to DM me, like, please don't include numbers. Like, I, I really don't need to tell me, oh, I'm only eating X amount of calories a day or I weigh X amount. So as long as you're not doing that, I would love to chat with you. Which brings me to point number five is it is not normal to think about food 24-7. If you're thinking about food 24-7, then you are restricting. Like, just point blank period, you are restricting. I remember whenever I was at my, like, some of my lowest, I would just think about food all day long. Like, my my mind would literally never get a break. I would think about the things that I had previously eaten in the day. I would think about the things that I was going to eat. I also remember it was it was such a weird thing. I don't know if anyone can relate to this, but if I was hungry for, if I kept thinking about this certain food in my head, then I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait until I'm hungry so that I can eat that food. Like that sounds so good. So I can't wait till I'm hungry and then I can eat it. Looking back on that, how crazy does that sound? If I'm thinking to myself, I can't wait to eat it, then obviously I was hungry in the moment. But I feel like a big thing with mental hunger is your body is very smart and it's learned that you've ignored it for so long that it's literally just trying to force you to think about food until you feed it. So basically, if you think about someone knocking at your door, and this is hunger knocking at your door, it's knocking at your door telling you, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, so it keeps knocking, well, then you keep ignoring it, and you don't answer the knock, and you don't answer the knock, well, eventually, it's just going to let itself in, and then it's just going to be sitting in your living room. And it might not be the same hunger signals, but now it's just sitting in your living room looking at you all day long. Like it's just waiting for you to realize, hey, this means you're hungry. And a lot of times your body honestly might not have the energy to even give you hunger cues, like the rumbling of the stomach or whatever, because that burns precious energy that your body does not have to spare. So it's just 
trying to make you think about food until you realize, oh, I need food. And I've also read that this came from like our hunter and gatherer days, like way, way back then. So like if someone was, you know, really hungry, but they were in the middle of trying to survive and wandering out and wherever, our brains would tell us like food, 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 so that this person wouldn't forget that they have to eat or they're going to die. So even though at the time, like their top priority was like finding safety or shelter or whatever, their brain did not want them to forget to eat. And so that's what it's trying to do for us too. I think one of my big turning points is I was sitting in class and I had just eaten breakfast and I literally just, I couldn't even get food to get out of my head for a single second. I could not listen to a single word that my teacher said in class that day. I just couldn't hear it over the sound of me thinking about food. And I remember then being like, wow, this is not normal. Like, I don't think people think about food that much. And newsflash, it's not normal. Now, I really never think about food. Like, I think about food, like, right before I eat something, like, you know, if I'm getting hungry, or after I eat it, and I was like, oh, that was really good. Or if I'm, like, thinking about going to a certain restaurant for dinner, then I'll think, like, oh, I love their fajitas. Those are good. But I just no longer think about food all day long. Which brings me to my next point, is your body is a lot smarter than what you think. I think this really applies if you're someone that struggles with counting calories because for me I used to always think like well how is my body going to know what to eat if I don't count my calories or my macros like how is my body going to know like how much protein to eat or like how many carbs I need to eat but counting calories hasn't even been along been around for that long so like how do you think the people before us did it like they just ate and they were just fine. Or how did you do it before you learned how to count calories? Because, you know, I didn't learn to count calories until I was a teenager. And I made it to my teenage years without counting calories. So it's like, wait a minute, how did I do that? Like, you don't actually need to count calories. And I also hear a lot of people saying like, oh, well, you know, I just count calories to make sure I'm eating enough food. No, I I don't think that's the case because... If you're worried about eating enough food, then, you know, just start adding more snacks, having bigger meals, whatever. And I just, especially if you're like, if you've been restricting, once you start eating a little more, your body's not going to let you not have enough food anymore because it's going to be so hungry. (laughs) And so, yeah, our bodies are way smarter than we give it credit for and back to what I was saying earlier about how like I was worried about oh how's my body gonna how much protein I need or whatever your body will crave what it needs so say you've had you know a day where you haven't eaten a ton of the certain like food group and without thinking about it your body's eventually gonna be like oh that sounds really good or like you know, I could go for a piece of bread right now or whatever that is. And that's its way of telling you like, this is what I want and this is what I'll use. But you don't have to think like, okay, um, I just had pasta. So how can I have protein? Like your body is going to make sure it gets all the nutrients that it needs. So just let it do its thing. We are halfway done. 
So let's move on to the second half of this. And for point number seven, it's that feelings of guilt will always pass, which is true. I think for me, my biggest um, tip to challenging fear foods is you just have to do it. I remember I would, at the beginning, I would tell myself like, okay, I'm too scared of this food right now, but when I'm not so scared, I'll, I'll try it. But that scaredness is not going to go away unless you actually have it. And if you're like, okay, well, I don't want to have it now because I know I'm going to be guilty. Most likely you are going to feel guilty, but that's the only way to get over that feeling. And I also think that's where like a big part of rewiring your brain comes from. Let's say you're scared of a muffin, okay? And so you're too scared to eat it because you're like, oh, I think this will make me guilty or whatever. Well, you finally decide to eat the muffin and you feel guilty afterwards, okay? You just need to sit with those feelings of guilt and not restrict or change how you eat the rest of the day because of that muffin. Because if you do, you know what it's telling your eating disorder brain. It tells it, okay, when I make that, like you, this person feel guilty, then they listen to me and they do what I say. So all I have to do is just, you know, make them feel guilty and then they won't do it again. So if you eat that muffin that one time, you feel guilty and you're like, okay, that was too hard. I'm not having a muffin again. Then that was your eating disorder winning. But if you have that muffin, you feel a little guilty after. You literally just need to sit with the guilt, talk it out with someone you trust, just be like, I'm feeling guilty right now, I'm feeling stressed, the feeling will pass, I promise you. And then, you know, the next time you eat that muffin, it will probably be a little less scary or you'll feel a little less guilty afterwards or whatever. And you just keep repeating this process of sitting with the guilt, which is telling your eating disorder I don't care how you're trying to make me feel right now. I'm doing what I want to do. So you trying to make me feel guilty isn't going to keep me from eating this muffin that I want. Then I promise eventually you will get to a point where you will eat that muffin and you won't even think like, oh, I should be feeling guilty right now. Like you'll just feel totally fine and you won't feel any guilt. But the only way to get to that point of feeling no guilt is to eating the food and sitting with any guilt. Like, even if you have to eat something and you cry over it afterwards, that is okay. But do not restrict after it for the rest of the day. And do not let it be, okay, I challenged it one time and now I'm done. Because like I said, if you challenged it one time, that is telling your ED brain that it won. If you ate a donut and then you cried... You need to eat a donut again and keep eating them again until you feel no guilt afterwards. Like, challenge, repeat, challenge, repeat. I promise. So point number eight is that food should fit around your life and not the other way around. So what I mean by that is I would plan out my food so much that I was planning my entire life around it. And I would think like, oh, I, I can't go out shopping with my mom because then I won't be home for lunch or whatever it was. Or I can't go to that, um, that dinner because then I have, to make, I have to make my own dinner. So how would I do that? But no, 
food should be able to fit around your life. So if you want to go out shopping with your mom, it should be like, okay, I'm going out shopping with my mom, but since I'm not able to eat lunch at home today, like hopefully we can go out to eat or, you know, we can do something together. Or if you're, you know, out of town and out and about, you shouldn't have to be like, okay, I have to come back to the room for all of my meals. No, if if you're out having a good time and then someone in your group is like, oh, I'm hungry, let's like let's stop and have dinner, then you just got to go with it. Because when you're in your like eating disorder mind, you put food on this pedestal of being like the most important thing in your life. And like, oh my gosh, like my whole life revolves around food and what I eat and what I'm scared of. Food is not that important. Like, I know it's important to live, obviously, but you do not need to be centering your whole life around it or getting the exact certain meal you need, you want, where you're like, oh, I don't want to eat at this restaurant because it's not, you know, it's not the most amazing food I've ever had. Well, if that's where everyone else is going, then you just got to eat it. Food does not have to be perfect, and there's no such thing as a wasted calorie. Your body will always use it, which brings us to lesson number nine, which is making memories is more important than making your own food, which I feel like that ties in a lot with the one before this. But again, it's a lot more fun to go out to eat with your friends or have a family dinner or, you know, go on a breakfast date instead of just cooking your same old sad meals. Something I would always like tell myself at the beginning is like, okay, This meal that I usually make myself, it will be here any other day. But, you know, going out to dinner, like this exact dinner, it will not be here tomorrow. So if my family is, you know, going out to dinner just because, but I'm thinking, okay, I want to stay home and make my own food. Well, if I were to stay home and make my own food, but the next day I'm feeling brave... I cannot replicate that exact dinner that they had the night before. Like, what they talked about, the memories they made, or whatever it was. But if I do decide to go out with them that night, and then the next day there's no dinner plans, then I can make my usual meal then. You know what I mean? So it's like, do the memories, and if you really are going to make your own food, like, there will be another day to do it, but don't say no to the plans Or cancel plans because you want to make your own food. And also, for me, and I think a lot of other people have experienced this, is maybe during your ED, there was certain foods or meals that you made that you thought were, like, really good or tasted amazing. But once you start, like, actually letting yourself eat other foods and try other foods, you're honestly probably going to realize how bad that meal actually was. But it's just, like, in the moment, you don't have anything else to compare it to, so... Of course, it tasted good to you, but then once you start having other foods, you're like, oh, I don't even want to cook my own food anymore because this just isn't good. And point number 10 is that eating what you want makes you a much happier person. Like, I just remember whenever I was restricting so much, I was always so cranky. I would get so mad when anyone tried to, like you know, invite me or ask me to do anything that involved food, or if someone tried to surprise me with food, 
that just sent me over the edge. I would get so angry, which is sad. Like if I would do good on a test and, you know, someone was like, oh, I, I bought you this cookie to celebrate. I would get so mad. I would be like, in my brain, I would think like, why would you buy me this cookie? Like, how am I going to make up an excuse to not eat this? And like, that just makes you a mean person. But also like whenever you're not obsessing about the food you're going to eat, or you're thinking about, oh my gosh, I want to eat this so bad, but I'm just too scared. I can't. You have so much more like brain room to, you know, be kind to other people. And you get outside of yourself and notice what's going on around you. Because whenever you're sick, you're so focused on yourself, what you're eating, maybe how you look like, that you don't even notice like what's going on with everyone else or, you know, how they're doing. So I just feel like Overall, once you're doing better, like, you'll start being nicer to people around you. You'll smile more at strangers and just, I don't know, so many other things. Point 11, so we're at the second to last, is that you can't expect change without making changes. So, I always say, you can't change without change. So, you cannot expect for your eating disorder to go away or for you to not be afraid of a certain food unless you change something about it. So I remember I used to always think like, oh, I'm so afraid of this baked good. Like, I can't wait till I'm not afraid of it anymore. Like, I can't wait for my mind set around it to change. But then I wasn't making any changes to like change my mindset. I wasn't challenging it or trying to rewire my brain. I was just like, okay, fingers crossed that, you know, one day I'll wake up and my my mind will be changed. But no, you cannot just keep doing the same thing over and over again, day after day, and expect things to change. It's just like, if you want to recover from your ED, you cannot keep doing the same thing every day that you've been doing, eating the same meals, the same snacks, the same quantities, and expect, you know, okay, one day I'm going to be recovered. Like, it, it, it's just not going to happen. Because... I I just don't know how else to say it. If you were doing the same thing, like the exact same thing that you were doing when you were sick, then like that's still being sick and nothing is changing. So you cannot change without change. So if you want to see some changes, then make some changes and stick with them. So that means switching up your food, have different meals every day or as much as possible. But Don't just keep eating the same meals and snacks that you ate during your ED and then, you know, here and there throwing in a fear food because that's really not that much change. And I know it's scary, but like I said earlier, just make the change and sit with the guilt and it will pass. And we are at the very last lesson, which is lesson number 12. And that is, you deserve recovery just as much as anyone else. I'm going to say that again because that's how important it is. You deserve recovery just as much as anyone else. I remember before I started recovery, I would look at girls that were in recovery, either on Instagram or TikTok, and I would think, I'm so jealous that she can do that. Why can she do that, but I can't? but I could do it. I was, I was just too afraid. Or I would think I am so like jealous that she's eating that food. And like, 
she is like able to challenge that and I can't and I would just feel jealous of all of these girls in recovery or guys too but I mainly just you know I followed more girls but there wasn't anything to be jealous about because I could do the exact same thing too if I tried and you know I deserve recovery just as the next as much as the next person and if you're in recovery right now you deserve recovery just as much as me and anyone else and there are no like certain like criteria you have to meet meet first if you you know have never been told by your doctor that you need to recover or if your doctor doesn't know or if you haven't been told you're an unhealthy BMI because BMIs are absolutely bullshit like no don't don't listen to BMIs (laughs) sorry I just had to throw that in there don't no matter what your circumstances are you know if if you've never skipped a meal skipped like gone a day without eating I also have not done that um, if you've never been hospitalized, been to inpatient treatment, whatever it is, you still deserve recovery. I feel like a lot of times we give ourselves this criteria of like, well, I'm not sick enough or I don't have it as bad as they have it. So, you know, I think if I got to that point, then I could recover. No, just do it now. You are worthy now. You're valid now. And you don't have to wait until it feels right. And you don't need to be jealous anymore of these other girls in recovery. I hope other people can relate to that feeling. And I'm not just like crazy for saying that. So if you've also experienced that, like looking on other people and being like, man, I wish I could eat that. Just know that you can eat that. You just have to push yourself. So that is going to be all 12 of my greatest lessons from recovery. I really hoped I explained myself well. I know a few times I would kind of go off on little tangents or my thoughts would be all over the place, but I just feel like there's so much I could share about recovery that it's hard for me to like funnel all of my thoughts just into like a few little sentences Do you know what I mean? Like, there's just, I could talk about this for hours. So I think sometimes whenever I'm trying to, you know, gather all my thoughts, that's what makes me ramble a little bit. But it's okay. I'm learning. I really hope at least some of these points have been helpful for you. And again, I have a little graphic on my Instagram with all of these points written on them And I think it looks cute. So if any of them really stuck with you, you could go on there and like screenshot it or obviously just write it down. Whatever makes you happy. Thank you so much for sticking with me and for fueling your Friday with me. I hope you have a great day, great weekend, whatever day you're listening on. Just be happy, choose happiness. And also, If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean so, so much to me if you would leave a review. You can either just give it stars or write a review either on Spotify or Apple Podcast or whatever other streaming service you're listening on. 
and I'd really appreciate that. You know, follow the show, leave a review. It would really help me out a lot, and it just helps me reach other more people because I just want to help as many people as possible. Because I think at the beginning of recovery, if I would have heard all of these things, I think it would have really helped me. So that's going to be it for today. I love y'all. I appreciate you. And thank you for letting me fuel your Friday. Bye-bye.